He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today, joined by somebody who uh, was once a colleague of mine and was always overqualified to be a colleague of mine. So she moved on to uh, some incredible stuff that she is now doing at The Athletic. Sabrina Merchant joins us here. Coming off of the Final Four, you go from the excitement of of all of that, of, of you know, you know, Caitlin Clark and and... <laughs> the, the stupid conversation that has followed that to to this the 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 stupid conversation that is going to follow the lakers and clippers playing so uh welcome to my stupid conversation you know i'm always happy to talk lakers with you anthony especially when it involves a game that they had zero chance of winning going in so <laughs> i think my brand of optimism is well served for this particular show <laughs> yeah yeah, that's, you know, the the tone of the show, uh, you and I haven't spoken about the Lakers since the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, hilariously, after the Russell Westbrook trade, I got laid off and I couldn't talk to anybody about the Lakers. And and um, and it would have been funny to see to hear you and me optimistic about the Lakers and try to, like, make that sound OK. Um, and, and we'll try in, in this one still, because, you know, it. it if anybody was being honest about themselves heading into this one, it was the second night of a back-to-back coming off of eight straight days on the road. The Clippers had two full days of rest. Right, they um, last played on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, so three full days of rest, uh, right? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, today's Wednesday. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it, I, I look, I bet on the Clippers. Like, I, I, you know, it was one of those games that uh, I thought that the number on the Lakers would be pretty good, uh, or, or or pretty optimistic, and and that the there would be value there on the Clippers, and 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 there was. So, uh, still though, I, I, you know, because this is a a a return to the I loathe basketball podcast. Um, I do kind hey, of think that's you and Harrison. I love basketball. <laughs> well, we were called that too, though. Like we, we had our show together for a while and we were called that too on, on, on several occasions. It was, it was a bleak situation when you and I were recording <laughs> bleak situation. This was when the Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder injuries threatened to derail of the Lakers. Season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is a sentence that I couldn't even get out with a straight face, even though it was actually <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Uh, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about like the last month of Lakers basketball, how you've handled the, the, the chance of optimism here. Um, I wanted to talk to you obviously about the game that we just watched. Um, I do think that there were some takeaways, uh, from this that are, you know, even given the circumstances under which the game was played, I somehow Darvin Ham didn't meet expectations. It was that meme, right? It was like I, I I had low expectations, but holy fuck, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we, we got to talk about that, and yeah, I do kind of want to talk about like the the experience of covering the Final Four women's basketball. It put up an insane number uh, that that mm-hmm. Final Four uh, game and the, and the women's championship game and all of that. So so plenty of stuff here uh, to kind of gnaw on before we get to the bone. Um, let's start though with with the game since that is going to be freshest on everybody's mind. And uh, I don't even remember the final score. It was. It's uh, a great question. I feel like it's something we should have known heading into this podcast. One twenty five. The Clippers win one twenty five to one eighteen. Um, wasn't even that close. I don't think over you know for, for much of the game. The Lakers made a couple runs and had a couple of those fake comebacks that we that we knew and loved. Um, I, I thought Darvin Ham keeping the stars in when it was like a 14 point game with five minutes to go was ridiculous. Like I thought that was insane. I thought his rotations over the course of the game were insane. I thought uh, the Clippers 
I, like Ty Lu, I think really takes pride in the fact that he has never lost to the Lakers. Oh, he takes this very personally. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I don't blame him. We're not going to double Anthony Davis shtick to turn into. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a lot of doubles in Anthony Davis. Like, I saw. <laughs> He's like every time he got, I, I kind of <laughs> felt like you could see a thought bubble over Anthony Davis's mind on the first double. He's like, what? You lied. <laughs> you know, <laughs> during summer league runs all over. <laughs> it was it was the weirdest thing uh, to see him kind of broadsided by that. But but yeah, I, I, general takeaways from this one, if you if you have any, as uh, the Lakers and Clippers probably aren't going to match up this year in the playoffs unless it's like in the Western Conference Finals. Um, it's it's a it's a tough matchup. It, I think it's always going to be a tough matchup. The Clippers are so deep. And the Lakers were so exhausted, but still, you know, is there anything that you took away from this game? Yeah, so I'm going to make it a little bit more big picture, even though I realize we're talking about this game in general. Uh, cool. You know, the last time the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And did I just crap out for a second? You did. All right. So we'll, okay. we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> I think I lost you on, um, it's going to be big picture. Okay. All right. So during the 1920 and 2021 seasons when the Lakers were good. Uh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you meant like the, the year 1920. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's yeah, yeah. really big Real picture. Big picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is... <laughs> okay. So yeah. in the in the, the 2019 good, you know, season, yeah, 2000, yeah, in 2020 and 21, right? Mm-hmm. The Lakers were good. One of the things that really worked for them were these LeBron plus bench units, and I understood the idea of staggering Davis and LeBron and letting Davis ride with more of the starters and LeBron riding with more of the bench players because that's who he's capable of carrying. Um, and those units functioned well enough independently. Usually, the LeBron one was better, and then you got the yeah. starters who were just a wrecking crew. Uh, so today, you look at the plus minuses basically look through the first 40 minutes or so of the game before, you know, the Lakers made some funny business run at the end. Yeah. And Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, all about net neutral. I think Davis was like even like a plus two or something with him on the court. Mm-hmm. And then you look at LeBron and the bench players, terribly, terribly negative. Yeah. So I realize it's like this, you know popular national media thing that, oh, you know, the Lakers have LeBron and James and Anthony Davis and they're in position to, you know, make a run in the playoffs. And I just, I don't think this LeBron James is that guy that everyone thinks he is. Like you watch him just gack a layup at the end of regulation against Utah and the complete lack of energy he came out with to start this that game, was which wild. again, I realize is a back-to-back, but mm-hmm. I mean, three points at halftime is, is unheard of. Like you made that joke on Twitter that he's going to finish with exactly 10 points and that's because LeBron <laughs> always his guests to double digits and it usually happens pretty early yeah so i think that's like the most concerning thing is i understand that some of the rotations may not have been to like your exact preferences but the theory of lebron james propping up a bench bench. lineup is like a is a tried and true theory right like this has been working since the old cleveland days you know through his lakers tenure and if he's not capable of doing that like i think that just requires more of a mental adjustment from Darvin Ham because I would expect LeBron to be able to carry, you know, a D'Lo, Beasley, you know, Wenyan, Rui lineup. Like that sounds fine on paper, uh, but it looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, And that was kind of my main takeaway is that we're going to have to fundamentally re-examine the way that like LeBron has to be surrounded by, you know, like what sort of talent he has to be surrounded by on the court because he just can't carry that kind of lineup at this point not with the way his foot is behaving and just i don't know if it's more of a foot thing or like a 38 year old lebron thing i think it's more of a foot thing but that's just yeah part and part which is i think a 38 year old lebron thing yeah like if it isn't the foot like it's going to be yeah i i am myself i turned 37 in october and um throughout that game i was icing my foot because if it's not one thing it's another uh and and yeah, I, I it's it's so hilarious that like we always you always get those tweets like don't take LeBron for granted, don't take LeBron for granted, don't take LeBron for granted, and then for some reason we take for granted that he's thirty eight years old, and <laughs> it's like every every time he like dunks the ball, he's like I can't, we cannot just 
you know, let water run off a of duck's feathers when it comes to watching LeBron play. And then like, and then, you know, he shows any sign of age and we're like, what? How? You know, um, it, but, but yeah, I think, I, I think the, the, the LeBron bench stuff is interesting because I actually think the pieces on this team are better situated for AD and bench lineups. You have Schroeder who, um, you know, a couple of years ago, for whatever reason, couldn't link up with AD and couldn't like throw lobs to him. And, and there was like no chemistry there for some reason, but you have Schroeder there. You have uh Rui who can kind of serve as your, as your wing defense there. You have uh Troy Brown jr. Who can step in and, and offer spacing. Now that Austin Reeves is, is starting, you have Malik Beasley who can also offer spacing. Um, and then you would have Davis there theoretically. And, and yeah, I, you know, I, I do. I was kind of disappointed while I understood it that Ham played ten guys tonight. I think it. I think this was like I tweeted it in the in the middle of the game that it felt to me like the Lakers. You know, they they said that everybody was available, and and everybody got all excited about it. Um, and I think they kind of dipped their toe in the water to see how everybody's legs were feeling, and then you know early in the first half. It was pretty clear nobody really had it. You know, everybody looked exhausted, and and especially in comparison to a Clippers team that was like, I feel like they they all collectively spent the last seventy two hours sharpening blades of different varieties. I like bet they you just they, was the Vegas. <laughs> well, however, however, you know, he was sharpening blades in Vegas then, um, because like the, like they. I think I think Kawhi played forty something minutes tonight, forty two or forty three minutes. The last thirty one minutes of the game. Yeah, I it, this was clearly a game that uh, the Clippers saw as an opportunity to send a message. Like, you know, it's cool. You guys have your cute little four game winning streak over there. That's nice. Also, we own you, and mm-hmm. and and I think uh, you know you, you combine that with the Lakers playing in overtime last night. A game that, like, heading into it, I was hoping that they would put away early so that we could avoid the exact type of energy that we saw in this one. And, and yeah, it all just kind of adds up to to a tough spot. But even still, yeah, like you're talking about, the, it's not just um, LeBron. Like, it'd be one thing if you saw LeBron and all of his shots were just, you know, coming up on the front of the rim and he wasn't getting lift going to the rim or whatever. Um the turnovers to me stand out. Like since he's come back, the turnovers have have really kind of crept up in a way that I don't think people are are are, are paying attention to because the Lakers have been winning. Um, and the body and language it, on the turnovers too. Like when he threw that pass to Troy Brown when he thought he was going to be in the corner and Troy Brown, yeah, tried, he was a lot more upset about that. Than he almost he broke Troy Brown's finger. Right. <laughs> like, he was just so mad about that. And like LeBron, there's always yeah. miscommunications. Like I understand you don't want to just deliberately throw the ball away, especially not into the hands of Russell Westbrook, who then yells good pass. But <laughs> he was just like a lot more animated about that than I thought he would be. Well, it was there was that. There was another one where he just like dribbled the ball off of his foot and it rolled into a clipper's hands. And after he did it, like he looked at his hands. It looked like the little giant scene where he was like, I wash you. I keep you cold in the winter. Like it was just it, like the whole it, it's it's I would understand like even LeBron defensively, like there were a few times tonight that he'd be guarding like Terrence Mann and <laughs> Mann would be wide open in the corner and he would just kind of look and he would do the thing where he looked around at everybody. He's like, mm-hmm. why isn't he guarded? And, and everybody's like, because you know what? Never mind. We're good. <laughs> Let's just move on. Um, and, and yeah, I just, the, the vibes were, were interesting and, and it was funny. It was the vibes of, um, I remember the first time Andrew, my little brother beat me in, in one-on-one and he beat me in one-on-one because I got to college and started drinking like a fish and he was in high school still like, (laughs) you know, trying to eventually become like a college athlete. And, uh, you know, I, I, we, we played and, and you know, he barely beat me or whatever. It doesn't matter. And I, over the course of the game, I'm used to doing these things to him that I used to do when he was like, yay tall. And I was in shape and stuff. 
and, and <laughs> it was like Michael Scott from The Office was like, I usually make those. And I'm like, that was five years ago, pre Bud Light. And, and, and like, I'm watching LeBron in this one and it looked a lot like that. Where he's like, I really want this game, but also I'm 38 years old and we played way too much last night. And I'm exhausted from, from the flight home and, and the long road trip and my foot still hurts. So yeah, I, I think it was a lot of, I think him getting angry at Troy Brown felt a lot like him just kind of lashing out in general. He's just like Troy Brown, uh, you know, unfortunately was, was the recipient of, of both of those instances. Um, but, but that's just kind of how, how that game played out. What did you think of AD though? Like we, we kind of joked about him being like surprised at double teams over the course of the game. Um, Zubats was clearly the better player in this one um, from start to finish. Uh, and, and I don't really know what to take away from that. Yeah. I don't know that Zubac was clearly the superior player. Like their numbers are about the same. Um, impact Maybe wise. It's expectations. Like, yeah. Impact wise. It definitely seemed like Zub was doing more. Um, he also had like the nice lob dunk finishes with, which, you know, naturally just draw a little bit more hype than when 80 is yeah. hitting a, you know, a little mid range. Uh, they definitely were feeding the ball to AD a lot. Like there were some possessions where D'Lo and Schroeder absolutely didn't want to do anything else, but just keep, you know, entry pass to AD, entry pass to AD, no matter yeah. if that entry pass gets the ball to AD, like 18 feet away from the basket, which just the most annoying thing. Yeah. But there, it seemed like there was an emphasis to try to get him involved. It's just for whatever, I mean, against the Clippers, I've seen Anthony Davis have like one dominant game ever. And that yeah. was, last year when he just ran pick and roll with Malik Monk over and over again. And yeah, for some reason uh, we went away from that. <laughs> like The one <laughs> tried and true formula that really works for Anthony Davis against the Clippers is pick and roll. And we just kept posting him up, posting him up, which like, I thought we learned our lesson against like the Doc Rivers Clippers team. Next like, time they not... aren't going to double. Like it was like, <laughs> he kept catching the ball. It was like, ah, shit, they came again. There's All right, throw it back out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the strategy was weird. I, I didn't think that AD was like particularly bad. You know, I mean, definitely second night of a back to back. I didn't think he had the same explosion that he might have had. You know, had he yeah. not played against Utah, but they had to beat Utah. Like yeah. within these two games, you're not going to get the tiebreaker against the Clippers, even if you win today. Uh, they're same conference wins. Like I don't think the division record tiebreaker is going to come up. So you just got to get one win, and obviously it's much yeah. easier to beat Utah. So, I mean, I wouldn't have even well, been surprised if they just, like, sat. I mean, it was. Yeah. They, they didn't beat the Clippers. So Yeah. No, I'm saying it's I, like, it should have been easier, but yeah. It, yeah. it was easier, just not as much easier as we had originally anticipated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, it was funny. Raj and I, after the, the Jazz game, credited the Lakers for when AD was getting doubled. You would see cuts. You would see dives. You would see floats and, and, and pin down screens and floating screens or whatever. And, and in this one, he was getting doubled and it was very reminiscent of Frank Vogel's offense where mm-hmm. AD gets doubled. And like, there was even one, I think the worst example of all of this, AD gets doubled and he almost literally rolls the ball to half court and D'Angelo Russell had to like really hustle back to get it. And <laughs> there was zero advantage yeah. gained when that's you know when when a team doubles they are giving up an advantage right they they know that whoever is guarding ad is not capable of guarding him on his own so let's send somebody over there and hope that they don't make the right combination of passes that it bites us on the back end and and yet you know for i would say the majority of ad's time in la teams could get away with that because he wouldn't either he would make the two conservative pass that would be two passes away from a shot, not one, or there wouldn't be enough action on the perimeter and you know, you wouldn't create an advantage that way. LeBron wasn't cutting, and I think that was kind of a result of of playing on the second night of a back to back. But for whatever reason, the Lakers went completely away from making A D a better passer. And, you know, we talked about I I thought Zubots was better, especially in his role. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the Lakers made the game so much harder on AD than it had to be. Yeah, and it's interesting because the personnel like should be good enough that you would get in trouble for doubling AD. Like there is enough shooting on the court now when AD's at center and just like 
you know, after the trades, like the Lakers have some decent spot of shooters around Anthony Davis at all times. And like you yeah. said, it was just, everyone was a little lethargic. Um, I, I don't want to just pin everything on the back-to-back, but like they did play 53 minutes last night and they came back yeah. from Utah after a long road trip. Like that's not an easy back-to-back even like considering the fact that they'd been on the road for eight days. So I don't know. I, I don't take a whole lot away from this because I've never thought the Clippers matched up well against the Lakers. Ty Lue takes this very personally. Also Westbrook yeah. appeared to take this very personally yeah. <laughs> as he does. I guess a lot of games now in the league. I like but, I like all the the oh Russell Westbrook revenge game. He didn't play in the fourth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was the perfect revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's sitting there waving his towel, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, Russ. Had you never played in fourth quarters, we'd be taking revenge too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, his jump shot looked smoother than I can remember it ever looking. It looked really, really nice in the first quarter. But yeah, those, those UCLA boys just like wrecked the Lakers today. And you know, yeah. when Norm Powell's getting the kind of calls he's getting in the third quarter, like he just you just gotta wrap it up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he was it wasn't just like, you know, the third quarter calls. The the worst one to me was the one on A D where A D is like clearly going straight yeah. up and Norm like karate kicks him and yeah. <laughs> like it's a foul on A D. And I, I've I've I been waiting for A D What's yeah. that? I didn't think the Rui one was a foul either, but it definitely yeah. wasn't like, I mean, I thought the 81 was cleaner, but still, I didn't think the Rui one was a foul. Um, but also like in the first half, cause I thought Norm played really well in the first half too, especially defensively. And part of why he was playing so well defensively was because he wasn't doing, he was allowed to do all the things that defenders weren't allowed to do to him. And, and it, and it really makes a, a pretty big difference there not to take, well, I am taking stuff away from Norm. Um, apologies, but, but, like yeah, it's really. just <laughs> not really make an 18 million a year. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why I try to be so polite to Clippers fans. Same with Russ fans. Like I try to be nice and it's just like, I'm going to say one thing with like one word or one comma in the wrong place. And, and I'm going to get, you know, dunked on by, by, by that, that group. But, but yeah, yeah I just Powell is a good player who benefited from the circumstances of today. <laughs> a little there bit more go. than usual. <laughs> Perfect. There it is. Um, all right. Last thing on this game before we move on, uh, Darvin Ham, um, who, like, I think, I think some of the criticism has been a little louder than it needed to be over the course of the year. I think the people on the other side of it who, you know, will not hear any criticism of, of Darvin Ham because of the circumstances, I think, um, ignore a lot of what he brings to the table too, and what should be expected of a coach. It's somewhere in the middle, but in this game, I really was pretty disappointed with with how he handled it. Um, either either you're going to go for the game or you're not, you know. And and I thought I think AD and LeBron both played 15 minutes in the first half, and it w- and there was a, there was a stretch there where LeBron, AD, and Reeves were all sitting for like four or five minutes. And I don't AD- think it was four or five minutes. I feel like uh, LeBron well, and AD were relatively well staggered. I think it was like two or three then. But like all, th- well, for one thing, Austin Reeves sat from like eight minutes to go in, in the first quarter to like uh, five or six minutes into the second, which made me wonder if he was hurt. And, and, and when he finally re-entered the game, he came from the back tunnel. So I don't know if he was like staying warm because he was back, he was on the bench for so long. Um, but I, I just... I just don't think there's ever a scenario here where, you know, you always have to have two of Russell, Reeves, LeBron, and AD on the court. And for there to be any minutes, even if it wasn't the five that it felt like a half hour, um, but but like it, it, but for there to be any minutes there, I think is Ham kind of dropping the ball. And then, like, again, Schroeder played one of his worst games, I think, as a Laker tonight, um, or at least of this season. And and there was like never any adjustment to take account for this guy just doesn't have it tonight, which is the kind of thing that you do with bench players. Like if a play, if a player really doesn't have it in the way that he does, you kind of move off of it, and there never seemed to be any real adjustment there. Um, how how have you felt about the Darvin Ham experience? Because because I don't know, I <laughs> I'd like to feel better about it. Yeah, I I kind of think Ham's. T- hands were a little tied today just in terms of D'Lo coming back from injury and he was a little hamstrung 
Yeah, I, I had it, and then I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. It's too cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, with D'Lo coming back from injury, I didn't think he looked like he had his normal verve. Um, LeBron obviously like looked dead in the first half, and then just yeah. did whatever he does at halftime. You know, the MJ's secret stuff or something to tighten that his shoes. But you know, when when Schroeder isn't playing well, like normally your default would be play Russell more but I don't think that he was capable of playing more minutes and then who else fills in those minutes if LeBron isn't up to his normal level you know uh, yeah like I understand kind of going with the 10 deep because you are on a back-to-back and like you're trying to figure out who is gonna earn minutes come playoff time or postseason time um, I I haven't been like the most impressed with Darvin Ham's rotation managing over the course of the year but since the trade deadline, I kind of feel like he's just had to deal with so many different versions of this particular roster that I don't know that he's been able to get comfortable with any particular, you know, lineups. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if we want to think about like, you know, the arc of Target Ham's like rookie season, I think it's it's been mostly successful. Like, you know, obviously getting buy-in from the players, although the fact that two of them requested trades at the deadline and Russell Westbrook was sent out as not the most remaining endorser. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's more, you know, a reflection of roster construction. I think the offense has been more creative. I think he's obviously gotten more at Anthony Davis than, you know, happened the last two years. How much of that is health? I'm not sure. But like with rookie coaches, like they find it really hard to give up on the game. You see guys like Dak Rivers, you know, who have been in this game for a very long time. And they're like, yeah, you know, yeah. This, this one's not it. But a guy in like his second or third year of coaching, I just think it's a lot more unreasonable to expect them to pull the plug. And, you know, I saw some people online suggesting that the Lakers just need some more time with D'Angelo Russell and LeBron on the court. And like, I kind of get that. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I don't think rotations have necessarily been Darvin Hand's strong suit. And the fact that he has like more toys to play with now makes the job even more challenging. But I still think it's a better problem to have than, you know, the latter when. You, you couldn't do anything if Dennis Schroeder was having a bad game. Like, legitimately could not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like zero other options. Um, I, it's tough because, you know, I think he wanted to lean more heavily on on Vanderbilt given the Kawhi matchup tonight. And uh, Vanderbilt winds up playing 25 minutes. And, and that usually leads to fewer Rui Hachimura uh, minutes. Rui only plays 17. Um, Rui didn't really have it going much. You know, he never really felt like he was... He was a big part of the game, and and with the Clippers having so many combo guards, uh, I think Ham felt like he needed to match up with the combo guards more so than you know try to outsize the combo guards. And you know, you look at you look at the Clippers, and I think um, Justin Russo tweeted this out that you know you had a ten point quarter from uh, Powell, and you had a ten point quarter from. Highland and you had a 10 point quarter from uh you know all of these like all basically as well yeah yeah like a different guard at various points in the game dropped nine or ten points in in a quarter and and I think you know I think that was that really kind of ham is already kind of reluctant to go big versus skilled as it is and then when you see the skilled guys on the other team outplaying your skilled guys or 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 taking advantage of the size because of their skill, um, I think he's really going to kind of double and triple down. And I think that's kind of what we saw. Um, but even still, to that point, Beasley only played 13 minutes. Brown only played, or I guess Brown played 19, which I think is a little high for him. Um, I, I just... I thought Brown just, had a good game. He, you know, the plus minus yeah. is not suggested. I thought he played fine. <laughs> uh, who? Brown or Braun? Brown. Brown. Well, plus my well, he's the best bench player. Oh know, my bad, I'm was, looking at the wrong guy. Yeah, I thought Brown had a good game. Yeah. Yeah, um, he was. I think he was fine. I, I you know, my, I kind of miss earlier season Brown where it wasn't just three pointers that he was putting on the board. Like there was occasional connective passing that was going on there, and 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 some more of that. And and I feel like we've kind of gotten away from that. If he touches the ball, generally it's going up. Um, but yeah, I, I just I don't want to I don't want to completely lean on the crutch that is the the circumstances under which this game was played, and I I do I am kind of worried about Ham trimming down the rotation because we we really haven't seen it yet, right? We've seen him lean 
on Rui against the Timberwolves, but I think that was more a matchup thing than it was him getting ready for the playoffs. And here we are two games to go before the play-in slash playoffs, and he's still going with 10-man rotations. Um, this was, you know, this was the rule. This wasn't the exception, right? And, you know, I, I, I was hoping that we would get something of a clearer vision of how he sees the Lakers fitting before we actually got to the point where, like, we, we, there is zero proof of concept heading into the playoffs. And, and I, you know, that makes me a little nervous. They, do, is that something you anticipated, or do you think this was just, you know, getting to the playoffs was just about survival mode? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time getting worked up about a 10-man rotation on the second out of a back-to-back when LeBron looked like he did and yeah. Hilo looked like he did. Um and I do think that there is some value in willing to be flexible and, you know, seeing that, oh, this is a Vando game or this is a Rui game or this is a game mm-hmm. where Troy Brown is going to be really helpful. Um, and keeping them all relatively happy with, you know, a certain amount of touches, a certain amount of rhythm, it's not such a bad thing. Again, like, I think I was telling you this before we started recording. I had zero expectations of winning this game tonight. Whether the Lakers had won in yeah, Utah or neither. not last night, whether they had won, you know, going away and been able to rest their stars for the entire fourth quarter. The Clippers are just a uniquely bad matchup for them. Um, whether it's the, you know, the Ty Lue of it all or the fact that Kawhi Leonard has the best record of any active player against the Lakers or the fact that, like, the Clippers themselves have won, what, this was 11 in a row, 36 of the last 43 against the Lakers. Like that, That's an insane amount of games for a team that we regularly make a lot of fun of. <laughs> like, 36 <laughs> and 7 over the Lakers in the last 43 games. Yeah. And we – we're just like never tired of the jokes that we can make at their expense. No. So it's just like the fact that they lost to the Clippers literally gives me no concern whatsoever. <laughs> like I just never expected them to win this game. <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter going forward. Uh, and you know, that's, that's just where I stand. Like it's, it's fine. You know, the Clippers do very well in this matchup. That's obviously been proven. It moves the Clippers up to the five seed, which I don't know if it's a position they necessarily want to be in. I, I know the Lakers would rather be in the sixth than the seventh, but yeah. Frankly, I think the team that they match up best against in the top four is Memphis. So hmm. landing in the seventh seed is not my least favorite outcome. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's kind of a tie between Memphis and Sacramento. Um, but I'm I'm with you. Um, and look for you know getting the Clippers, not forcing because I don't think this was uh, clearly Ham kept <laughs> Ham kept the starters the, in. The Lakers tried <laughs> to win this game. <laughs> yeah, through to the very end. Uh, this wasn't forcing the Clippers to play the play the 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 Suns in the first round by by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but but yeah, I I'm I'm mostly with you. I'm like I'm I agree with like eighty five percent of of that. That like this was just a game. This was a schedule loss. Um, before you get to the to the matchup issues that the that the Clippers create, and we don't have to worry about. Uh, matchup issues with the Clippers because the Lakers probably aren't going to see them in the playoffs. Um, that said, a lot of the stuff that kind of made me nervous going into the game macro, in, in a macro sense, they kind of crept back in. Um, let's move on, though. I do want to uh, get your thoughts on the post-deadline Lakers. So the the, the Lakers, they... they obviously kind of reimagine the roster at the deadline. Um, they finally trade Russell Westbrook. They finally bring in, you know, some depth, some athleticism, some shooting, um, some NBA talent, like some, you know, they're, they're, it's just what a, a wild concept. <laughs> it, it turns out that's important. Uh, so like what, what his watch, what has been watching the, the second half of the season been like for you, um, and you know, I've, I've asked it of Harrison. I've asked it of Aaron. I didn't have to ask it of Raj because he thought the Lakers were capable of winning a championship, um, back when they still had Russ. So, uh, you know, do you think that the Lakers are capable of winning a championship? Like you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I want to get you on the record one way or the other. So I'll, I'll lead up to that for a little bit. Uh, I don't think I've been okay. as happy watching the Lakers. So I'd say the peak of like the last time I remember being blissfully happy watching the Lakers was against the Nuggets in 2021, the game where uh, they were down big at halftime and then came back and Dennis Schroeder had like, you know, that dive 
uh, where he yeah. went to save the ball and Frank Vogel like just just looked like he could kiss him. He was so happy, <laughs> so happy that Schroeder made this play. Like that. That's the last coaches time I love Schroeder. They, they like... really do. I mean, I like Vogel loved him, and it's possible that Ham like adores him even more, which is just <laughs> crazy to think about. Insane. He doesn't seem like a particularly enjoyable personality to be around. No. <laughs> You know, they love I, the slap the floor point of attack defender. That's they, something like coaches everywhere yeah. love that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because most of them started out as that. Yeah. That's what they turned into. But that's like, you know, the last time I remember just being super, super happy watching the Lakers because then the injuries came, you know, and like there were some fun games while LeBron and AD were out, you know, the, the Brooklyn game when Ben McLemore hit a bazillion threes comes to mind. But like that was the one where it was a fully realized version of this team. And I was like, yep, that's a championship team. That's the mm-hmm. one. And then for about two years, I was not nearly as happy watching the Lakers <laughs> up until <laughs> up until the Dallas game, when you know Vando sparks that comeback, uh, and you just start to see the vision of what this new Lakers team could look like with all of its length, with all of that the athleticism, the depth. Um, you know, Anthony Davis just taking it to the paint over and over again, which understandably not a huge ask against the Dallas Mavericks defense. Yep, but that game right up until LeBron gets hurt and even afterwards, because he just comes back in and like just continues to excel yeah. at the end of that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those are like the two bookends. Right. And then of course, just the day after this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that Sunday when the Lakers played the Mavericks that day, I thought, Oh, this Lakers team is as good as any in the West. I'm not yeah. willing to say that they were as good as the Bucks or the Celtics. Cause they're obviously on a slightly different level than the teams in the West. Maybe even the Sixers, honestly, but I I really put the Bucks in their own tier. Uh, I don't know how like a finals series would go, but I really thought on that Sunday the Lakers could win the West. And then mm-hmm. LeBron got hurt, and I don't really feel that way anymore. I think maybe they could win a series, you know, in the right matchup. I just don't see this collection holding up for much longer than that. I don't think Ham is ready for that experience. Um, of, you know, being the guy that's making all the big decisions in a postseason, like. I gather yeah. that he's been, you know, an assistant for a very long time and learned under some great coaches. Bud was not ready his first go around, not even close. Uh, and I gather that that's his mentor, and that's a great mentor to have. It just takes some time. So I don't trust that LeBron is ready for this. I don't trust that Darvin Ham is ready for this. The collection of pieces is just far too brittle for my taste. Like, what in yeah. the world is up with D'Angelo Russell? And yeah, I just. I don't have faith right now. Um, I'm happy that we're in this position because, uh, you know, giving up one first round pick, it sucked. But I think retaining Russell and Beasley and Vando is honestly pretty good for one first round pick. It's like not a terrible position to end up in. And I like, you know, what the future of this team could look like. So post trade deadline, I'm, I'm generally happy for like 23, 24. But no, I don't think the Lakers can win a title this year. <laughs> All right. Well, I get it. I, I honestly do. Um, their margin for error when you're talking about championship is, I mean, in your in, in, in your opinion, non-existent. And Correct. even in my opinion, you're talking about like a 5% chance, right? Like I, I, I bought in on the Lakers championship odds when it was plus 2,000 at, at, you know, basically right around the deadline. And um, that's about where I still stand now. And I think they're currently listed at like 1,400 or 1,600 to, to win a championship. So I think they're, they're kind of overrated in that regard. And, and you know, their, their margin for error is still like a 5% chance. You know, maybe that, that might even be high. You need a lot to go right. You need the proper matchups. And you need LeBron and AD to stay healthy mm-hmm. for a month. And that is not something – you need LeBron and AD and apparently D'Angelo Russell – to stay healthy for a month. And and that has not been on the board for the Lakers. So I, I get I get why you would say that they're that they're not capable of winning a championship. So if we're if we're taking that as as the you know kind of starting point of the conversation, what would you consider a successful season here from this point on? Right? We know that they're gonna be in the play in. Mm-hmm. What would you consider a, a failure? What would you consider a successful season? Yes, yeah, so they have to, you know, get out of the play-in first. That's assignment number one. Um, so that'd be a failure. So you, you failure they would They don't be... get out of the play-in, that's a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think this team is good enough to win a playoff series. Like, nobody in the top four of the West, other than Phoenix, is really that terrifying to me. And yeah. because the Lakers lost today, they're probably not going to be the number five seeds. They're not getting Phoenix in the first round. 
Yep. Uh, so, you know, between Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento, the Lakers should be able to put up a good fight in the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I really like the Denver matchup. I just don't want the Lakers to angle for an eight seed because that is terrifying and very yeah. risky. <laughs> Two one-game sample sizes that you're dealing with there. Yeah. And you're deliberately losing ones. You can make the second or, you know, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, I don't want to say that they have to win a playoff series for this season to be considered a success because they spent two thirds of the season with a Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Dennis Schroeder backcourt. And like to be mm-hmm. in this position after that, it's, it's wild. Like, it's great. It's really nice that we're in this position talking about the Lakers, you know, yeah potential in the playoffs as opposed to whatever it was that we were watching before February. But I do think that like, they should be able to like make it to six, seven games in the first round. You know, if they're like that series that they had against Phoenix, I understand it was a six game series. They got crushed in those last couple of games. If they put up a competitive first round series, I think it's a successful season. I realize LeBron has never lost in the first round. I mean, before coming to the Lakers, obviously he lost Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't see the Lakers having the juice to get much further than that. And like at some point, LeBron's got to get surgery on his foot, regardless of what the LeBron James feet <laughs> has told him. <laughs> it has to happen. You don't, you don't, you don't trust lapidiatrists. Like that's not, that's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I think winning a first round series makes this season a success. That's where I'm standing. That, that German doctor, like they have to. The one who funnels keep... all of his information back to a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. But like that, that doctor has to change their business name to LeBron James with feet, right? Like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, LeBron wouldn't like reveal. That's on my business here. card forever. <laughs> like that is. <laughs> so I mean, at this point, like any foot doctor should just try to go out with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I would change my name to LeFoot, and that would be it. Like I, I just that's who I am. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm with you in so if they if they if they're the eight seed and they play Denver, I think you have to play Denver tough. If you're the two I think or they three can beat Denver. Oh, I think so too. I, I think they yeah. can. Um I, I you know, I'd be disappointed they if be they favored, obviously, yeah. But... Yeah. Well I, I would be I would hope for I would hope for like a six or seven game series against Denver. That's, you know, that would be kind of my baseline of expectations there mm-hmm. against Sacramento and against Memphis. I think I'd be disappointed if they lost that series. Like I, Sacramento I, takes so many threes. I just don't know that we can match up with that offensive firepower. Yeah. But like that's can so you many threes. Imagine how raucous golden one center is going to be in the playoffs, regardless of who they play. And then you throw in the fact that they're playing the Lakers those oh, are yeah. four losses right away. Yeah. Well, but like, Unless, you know, the the angel of David Stern like brings back Tim Donahue out of jail <laughs> to ref those games. Like, I just the Lakers need to buy Tim Donahue a ticket and have him sit courtside at, at the first oh game gosh. at, at uh, Golden One. But I, I think like it, I think the Lakers could sneak in and steal Game One against Sacramento in Sacramento, and you know. Like there's there is a such thing as being too hyped for that game, you know, and, and we see it all the time, especially with teams that rely as heavily on the three pointers as Sacramento does. That like in the playoffs, like Houston, Houston missed twenty seven straight three pointers in 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 in, in a playoff game. If you look at the game. audit, some of them should have been three shot fouls. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. That's a fair point. Uh, I'm joined now by Sabrina Hinky, and um, yeah, no, I. I no, that was um, not Hinky. Mori, yeah, Sabrina Mori. Um, no, I, I just, I, I, I See, is, really weird, enjoy right? because the Lakers should not be favored in a first round series, and yet we're talking ourselves into the fact that they shouldn't lose to any of these teams. I mean, yeah. I, it, well, again, I look, Kings fans. I am really happy for the season that you have had. You guys, you know, broke Hang the curse. That division banner. Yes, happily. You know, I will not mock that division banner, especially given how tough this division is, right? Like it's a it's a it's it's a kind of a fluky year where everybody was having their problems in their own ways, but still like it is going to produce probably four playoff teams. And um maybe five. 
maybe who would be the you have Golden they State have five League, teams in the division la la yeah uh so sacramento phoenix golden la state, la phoenix. oh golden state yeah. wow they might five lose five. <laughs> that would be yeah that's a hell of a division and you won that division yeah. like yeah. honestly like that you know print up those division title things and, and all of that stuff um but i don't trust that team in the playoffs you know, I, I just don't like they, they don't have the rim protection that I think you need against the Lakers. Uh, Harrison Barnes being kind of their only wing defender would terrify me if I was a Sacramento Kings fan. Um, I again, super special season. I've loved watching them over the course of the year. They are like an action movie turned into a basketball team. But I, you know, I just don't think that brand of basketball wins in its first year. Like it, it might win eventually. But it doesn't win in its first year. And I think that first round series, like I think the Lakers would be favored in it. If you know, according to Vegas. I think I think the Lakers would be pretty heavily favored, honestly. You think the Maloops um, would put money on the Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> out of spite. <laughs> so many good two thousands references coming through here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Memphis is fraudulent. Like I just I don't I've I've yeah, never believed I in believe Memphis. I, I just think you know I believe in them less with the, you know, Stephen Adams you know, doing his thing and Brandon Clark out too. So it's just, yeah. even their advantage inside is just not what it used to be. Yep. Um, all right. So last thing before we get you out of here, um, I'd be remiss not to talk to you about um, your time covering women's basketball to this point. Um, again, you guys got to the, I have been waiting years to sign up for the athletic and finally went and worked for him. And I signed up using your, your promo code. Um, and and that is all on 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 the athletic. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think basically everything that can have been said about it has. But the whole Angel Reese Caitlin Clark thing. Um, I remember watching Jen and I were watching the game together, and Jen is not a sports fan. Like she is pretty much out on sports, you know excommunicado from sports. She is not in at all. Um, she hates what it has turned me into. And, um, <laughs> and so she, she, she's watching, she's watching this game and, um, you know, LSU is pulling away there at the end. Uh, Angel Reese obviously starts following Caitlin, Caitlin Clark all over the court <laughs> doing, doing the, the yayo thing. And, um, and Jen is like, Oh my gosh. And, and it was, it was one of those perfectly online moments where people were anticipating a stupid conversation about LSU and 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 Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark specifically. And then that that conversation came to fruition. And then we have spent forty eight to seventy two hours talking about this, even yeah. shitting on Jill Biden. Um, I think kind of rightfully when she was thinking about yeah, when I just she was didn't see that coming, you know, on my bingo card, it was not there. <laughs> it was just like all of it was so ridiculous, and yet I think it's all been good for women's basketball. I think, um, I think it's been stupid, and I think a lot of it could be considered counterproductive. But the fact that we have been sitting here talking about women's basketball, albeit in a very stupid, patronistic way, s- serves like. Caitlin Clark's going to be in that position next year. She's going to be she's going to be back in 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 college basketball again because her NIL money is probably bigger than her her, her uh, WNBA money might be. She's also um, not eligible for the draft yet. So, yeah. well, there's also that. <laughs> it shows how much I know about this. But but like, um, yeah, like from your vantage point, while you're watching all this go down, and you, from the day I've I've met you and we started working together, you have always deeply cared about women's basketball. Um, in one in on one hand, it was a coronation, I think, because we've seen parody arrive in a sport that used to be just kind of dominated by is UConn playing or is the game close? Okay, we'll tune into that. To now being a fully fledged, fully thought out, you know, self sustaining model that we see now. And yet still have it dive right back into the amount of stupidity that we were talking about it with. Um, how, how did all that go down for you? So on the one hand, I think, you know, we've learned this from, you and I covering the NBA is that there's everything is a story, right? Yeah. <laughs> like what somebody tweets, you know, what, um, what somebody wears to a game, <laughs> like all of these <laughs> things, you know, make for, 
make for the silliness that like is the reason why you and I have jobs to begin with, right? Like because it's this all consuming yeah. industry. And I do think the fact that, you know, we're talking about this celebration, you know, Angel Reese pointing at a ring finger and Jason Caitlin Clark down the court, like the fact that we're talking about that for 48 to 72 hours afterwards is definitely a breakthrough moment for the sport. That something, yeah. you know, in addition to the basketball and not like a gender equity thing or, oh my God, these athletes can't pay for their lunches. No, like something legitimately stupid and silly that we're talking about. I think that's a breakthrough moment. Uh, yeah, I didn't love all the conversation. Obviously, like it was obviously very racist towards Angel Reese. Um, yeah, incredibly paternalistic and sexist, and just lots of things I don't want to get into. But I think that's just honestly par for the course with some sports fans, right? Like there's racist undertones yeah. when you talk about men's sports too. I think it's more pronounced in the women's game, but in general, like big picture, I think it was a good thing we were talking about that because when you're talking about that, everyone still feels compelled to bring up like, yeah, Angel Reese and Kate Warner are coming back to college basketball next year. They're both, you know, yeah. going to be playing. You get to talk about NIL in that conversation. You get to talk about draft eligibility in that conversation. You get to talk about the fact that like, oh, who's LSU bringing in? Like, are there any transfers coming in? Uh, who's, you know, going to join Caitlin Clark next year? Um, you know, we're not talking about UConn, which is pretty cool. <laughs> like everything had been about UConn. And I, I love that we're in this sort of modern phase. Can of Iowa tournament. get I one rebounder? Like, <laughs> yeah, one, <laughs> just one. <laughs> yeah, if you want this weekend of Iowa basketball, you'd think they never did any box outs, just ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, they're obviously the sideshow has taken, you know, the majority of the oxygen, but I do think that it's still led into a conversation about like even the ratings, right? Nearly 10 million people watch that game on Sunday, which yeah. is super cool because, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, some stats in front of me, but like uh, that 10 million people is, um, let me see, it's more than any MLS game ever. It's more yeah. than any, you know, Thursday night football game. It's more than the 2021 NBA finals, more than, more than the, all of the all-star recent, games, all the all-star games, more than a recent world series, more than like some, you know, the orange bowl and the sugar bowl this year, more than every Stanley cup final game since 1973, like SC Notre big, Dame, which is insane to me. Yeah. It's a big, big number. Yeah. And you know, you put the game on ABC, people watch it, right? Like you just flip through channels and there you go. Channel seven for me. I don't know what channel is everywhere else, but like, <laughs> uh, it's just a thing that's easy to turn on. And I think it's super cool that, you know, there is this thing that we keep talking about and it's not just, it's not like, it doesn't feel like it's just going to go away. You know, it feels yeah. like this is the kind of thing that's going to persist because Caitlin Clark is that kind of talent and Angel Reese and LSU put on that kind of show. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's really gratifying, you know, because I didn't, you know, get into this business for people not to watch and, you know, read the work of that too. So I'm glad that uh, it's, you know, happening at a moment where I get to be part of it too. The, it, it's kind of, literally uh growing pains right where yeah. where you have a whole bunch of people who haven't watched much of the show or much of the 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 the, the sport before and didn't realize that actually Caitlin clark talks a lot of shit and it says mm -hmm. a lot about like the way that we view you know little white players that like we think oh they're all humble right like it's like when when austin reeves was getting ready to fight josh green right and people are like what and i'm like how do you think a six-three yeah, skinny I mean, dude from Arkansas. Like, <laughs> how do you think that happened, guys? Um, so, like, I, I think there's there's that there's the growing pain aspect of it too. I'm curious. Do you think do you think it would have been better for the sport if uh, if Clark and if Reese were draft eligible this year? Do you think that would have helped grow the WNBA? I think it definitely would have helped grow the WNBA, but I think a bigger concern right now is growing college basketball because that's the bigger or just money basketball. Maker. Yeah. Yeah. I think college basketball is such a fun product because WNBA is going to be really hard to grow when there's only 12 teams. Like yeah. just, you can't market yourself to the whole country when you're only in 12 markets and you're just not going to reach a large enough footprint. So college basketball has that built in advantage where you're going to tap into fan bases that already feel an attachment towards those schools, yeah. towards those programs. You're just in more places around the country. You have more people to market and more people to, you know, build campaigns around. So I think it's more important right now, honestly, to build a college game. And they're up for a new TV deal in a year. Currently, like the women's tournament is packaged with every other college sports tournament other than men's basketball and football. So they just get sold in one big bundle and it's completely devalued. Yeah. And I think this has proven that there's a real appetite for ESPN or, you know, some other partner to pay like, I think the current TV deal is like 40, 30 to $40 million for the entire bundle 
Whereas yeah. like women's basketball itself, just based on these numbers that were calculated before this tournament should fetch a hundred million dollars annually. So yeah, I think it's a good time just for college basketball. And, you know, eventually these players will make it to, into the WNBA and we'll get to have that conversation then. But I think right now just growing the game itself and it's, it's like more fun, honestly, for Angel Reese to be playing at LSU you know, yeah. with the sparkly purple jerseys and her tiara and like yeah. getting to play with someone who's on her team who's a rapper whose song that they played as down in American Airlines Arena or Airlines Center. I I think, you know, was that the WNBA point guard? has its own issues. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, not the point she guard, was sorry. Great. She was like more of a winger. Uh, oh. No, the point guard was very good, Alexis Morris. Yeah, she was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think, you know, all of it, kind of works together uh it would be nice if the pro game could capitalize on this and i know that there are some people at uh you know the pro level who are a little disappointed at how little momentum that they've gained from this week you know the (laughs) conversation seems to be all about college but i think just in general growing the college game is just like such a good start and so important and if you bring fans in here then eventually that'll trickle down but um for now it's just it's good to have eyes on basketball at some level yeah i think um you know the WNBA kind of has to learn from the NBA there, right? Where uh, college basketball kind of had to lay the foundation for the NBA. And then eventually, you know, bird and, and magic, you know, it was kind of magical, right? That they Mm -hmm. have their showdown in, in the title game. And then, you know, a month later we're in the NBA. Um, And on the two best possible franchises. (laughs) Right. Right. That's like uh, the WNBA needs to find a way to get like, you know, Reese in LA and Clark in would it be is is like is there a, a, a Connecticut a, is the closest to Boston, but yeah, there's nothing quite. They, right Boston there. doesn't have a team. No. Yeah, that's wrong. That's just that's obscene. But but yeah, I yeah. but I I I do like the point that you're making though about the fact that like college women's basketball can be has been kind of that that foundation, that soil that the rest of the sport can kind of grow from. And next year is going to be really fascinating because like it, I'm telling you groups of friends that I would never have envisioned talking about the women's game. were like texting and, and uh, here in my neighborhood, I went over to a, a buddy of mine's, you know, one of my neighbor's houses and we were watching it there in his living room. And it was, you know, Jen was there and, and, and it was like two other couples or I guess it was just, three dudes and Jen, um, we were, we were there watching and we were all just glued to the TV for the final four game, uh, between Iowa and, and South Carolina. And then here, um, you know, for the, for the final, we were, we, we were out, uh, having dinner for the first half of it. And the reason I was aware that we were out for the first half of it was because at the bar, people were like reacting to every single <laughs> basket that was made. And, and, you know, I thought like, Wait, the the guys don't play until what? And the guys game was like an afterthought. The guys, the guys game was like, oh, you know, yeah, that was that was fun. But when are we gonna get Reese versus Clark again? So, um, I think overall, I think it was it was a huge win. And and like you said, I'm really happy that you get to watch it from your vantage point, given um, how how much you've you've cared about this sport for as long as you have. Uh, so congratulations on on that opportunity. 100% earned still pissed that um, it didn't come at a, a different platform that, you know, I can't mention right now, but, <laughs> but still, uh, you know, congratulations, Sabrina on it. it you've, you, you did great work over the course of it. And uh, is on, on that note, is there anything, uh, you know, specific that you want to plug uh, from your work there at the athletic? Yeah. So uh, the women's basketball season really never stops i mean the WNBA draft is on monday and i've got my last mock draft coming out tomorrow i've also have a uh, wait too early preseason top 25 that has uh you know launched the appropriate measured response from people oh i'm, right I'm sure yeah <laughs> so really whatever direction your interests lie if it's looking ahead to the college season if it's looking ahead to the WNBA season if you want to recap old stuff from the tournament that's all on the athletic and i I'm actually very happy with the work that I did over the tournament and not really in my nature to brag about the work that I've done. But uh, if you want to read about Caitlin Clark, mine's the story you should go to. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, again, you can catch all of Sabrina's work at The Athletic. Um, again, congratulations, Sabrina. Thank you for hopping on. And um, 
I'll talk to you, I guess, after the Lakers win a championship, and I can like kind of say that I was for like the first time ever, I was right. Like, you know, no. for that five percent, you were more correct than me. I'll I'll happily <laughs> eat crow when that, that happens. I was you know, five percent more correct. Yes, that was <laughs> at my peak. <laughs> I have been five percent more correct. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>